Let's turn our Bibles to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, and we'll read the entire chapter. Psalm chapter 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me up high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen up against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Maybe today you can take some time to uh, notice the glory that is outside, but don't forget the glory of grace and that you and I can be a part of God's family. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Job. We sang about ancient words this morning. The reality is that even though our circumstances have changed lots in the last several thousand years, people really haven't changed all that much. And so the ancient words are still with us and still apply to us today. Job chapter 3. I've called this message trying to make sense out of life, and, and sometimes life not only throws us a curveball, but, but just comes horribly unglued. And how do you make sense out of that? How do you deal with that? And I don't have all the answers, and that's why it's called trying. Uh, I wish I could make sense out of life for you. I think God can make sense, but we need to try and make sense out of this. You know the story of Job, and let me set the stage for you a little bit. In fact, you'll find uh, basically the scenario happens twice, but you'll find it in chapter one and verse six. And the Bible tells us that one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And this conversation starts between 
God and Satan. And we'll look a little bit at who this Satan is. And so God says to Satan, did you look at Job? Did you, you know, nice guy, isn't he? And Satan says, yeah, but. And Job is totally unaware of this conversation, and his life comes horribly, horribly unglued. And he loses everything he owns. He loses his children. His wife says to him, why don't you just curse God and get it over with? And he loses his health. And he's got nothing left. And all he knows is that one day he's going along through life, and sometimes I use the phrase fat, dumb, and happy, like everything smiles, and then wham! And how do you react? How do you deal with that? And so I want to read with you chapter 3, because this is Job. Job reacted initially very well. Uh, and he said things like, um, you know, um, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And after the second episode, he said to his wife, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Now that sounds really spiritual. And it sounds like, well, you know, like this is a story. But let's get real here. Let's read chapter 3. And, and I know it's a, a little bit lengthy, but we're going to read it anyway. The Bible says, after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, don't wish me a happy birthday. In fact, he said, here's what I have to say about it. He said, may the day of my birth perish. And the night it was said, a boy is born that day. May it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and deep shadow claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm its light. That night, may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no short shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn, for it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? For now I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who built for themselves places now lying in ruins, with rulers who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not hidden in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at rest. 
Captives also enjoy their ease. They no longer hear the slave driver shout. The small and the great are there, and the slave is freed from his master. Why is light given to those in misery, and life to the bitter of soul, to those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than for hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave? Why is life given to man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For sighing comes to me instead of food. <clears throat> My groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. How do you make sense out of that? Toward the end of last winter, Kathy and I had the privilege, or were given the privilege, of going on a Caribbean cruise. And even though we'd never been there before and we didn't really know what to expect, we looked forward to that journey and to that experience for a long time. And when we actually made the trip, we really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Even the last day when it was really rough and Kathy spent most of it in bed being seasick. At least I had fun. But there are other experiences in life that are less pleasant, and we never really look forward to those. On Tuesday, I had, to, I had an appointment in Melford to go see the dentist, and I was supposed to get a tooth pulled. So I drove over there, and I, you know, I brushed my teeth and flossed my teeth and skipped lunch so that I would have a nice clean mouth for the dentist. And got over there, and, and, and they invited me in to sit in the chair, and this cheerful little woman says to me, So, how are we today? I said, You know what? This is not my favorite place to be. <laughs> and so when the dentist came in, he says to me, And how are you? And the, the cheerful little lady says, He's not happy. It wasn't a fun trip. I wasn't looking forward to that experience. Now, the good news is when the dentist looked at my tooth, he said, that doesn't need pulling at all. Yay, I'm going to keep the thing. I went out and had lunch. But not every journey is like that. Have you ever been at the bottom of a deep, deep, dark hole? Have you ever wished that you could die? Have you ever been at the point where you can't dream anymore, when your entire future is dark and pointless? I've been there. Some of you have been there. But if you haven't been there yet, it's not a fun place to be. And nobody really wants to go on that particular trip. But maybe you've been close to that. Maybe you've seen that place. It's a scary place to be because it's sort of almost like going off the road with your vehicle. You know that you're skirting the edge of disaster. And sometimes life takes us on a journey where we don't want to go. And you wish that you could die. But what I want to give to you this morning is this. Now, it may sound trite. It may sound like something you've heard before. It may sound like, like well, that's a no-brainer. But here it is. When life doesn't make sense anymore, when life comes unglued, you can still trust 
our Heavenly Father. We can still trust our Heavenly Father even when we find ourselves at the bottom of this deep, deep, dark, dark hole. How do you do that? I think there are some things we need to learn or need to recognize at least. And one of those is that life happens to all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, but life happens to all of us. And in many ways, there are different, different sources of, of, of our grief or of our problems. Sometimes we cause our own problems. Sometimes you and I make dumb decisions. There's no two ways about it. We do this thing called sin, or we make lifestyle choices. We do certain things that get us into trouble. Addictions start with bad decisions. I have a tendency in my own life toward addictive behavior because I recognize that there are things I won't do and places I won't go because I know that they will be the first step down a very slippery road. And if you engage in risky behavior, you can have disastrous results. In other words, uh, if I was to go out, one of my dreams when I was a teenager was to race motorcycles. I mean, sooner or later, if you're going to race motorcycles, you're going to crash. And the likelihood of getting hurt in a motorcycle crash is pretty good. I can't blame anybody for that. Sometimes other people cause us problems. Sometimes we cause our own problems. Sometimes other people cause us problems, like drunk driver or a spouse who comes in one day and says, I don't want to live with you anymore, I'm gone. Or rebellious children, or you have like my parents face, they're going through life fat, dumb, and happy, uh, newlyweds, and all of a sudden, boom, our country gets invaded. So sometimes we cause our own problems. Sometimes other people cause us problems. Sometimes it's really nobody's fault. Let me give you a $5 word. Oh no, this is 2012. Word's probably worth about 20 bucks by now. But the word is entropy. Entropy. Entropy means that things wear out. It means that material objects wear out. Stuff wears out. I was talking last week about the water heater in our house. It had been in our house ever since we moved into that place 20 some odd years ago. I have no idea how old it was. It leaked earlier this year. I fixed it. We came home from our holidays. The water heater is leaking. I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder what I can do to fix this thing again. And so finally I get down on my hands and knees on the floor and I look up underneath there. Guess what? It's wore out. It got eaten. Nothing that $800 wouldn't fix. And it fixed it. But it wore out. Stuff wears out. That's just one of the realities of life. Material objects wear out. Organisms die. Things that are alive are going to die. The universe is cooling down. Entropy, like, like, like time, runs in one direction only. And that direction is downhill. It's not reversible. And so because of entropy or because the fact that, that there's a sin principle in this world, we're going to get old. We're going to wear out. Stuff is, your car is going to wear out. Your stuff is going to break down. Life happens to all of us, and even the most spiritual people in the world are not exempt from the realities of life. So 
How does trouble go into our lives? Sometimes we cause it ourselves. Sometimes other people cause it. Sometimes it's just one of the facts of life that you can't stop. But sometimes God disciplines us or punishes us. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I remember distinctly my mother saying to me, just wait till your dad gets home. I hated those words. I hated even more my dad coming home. There were times I wish he would never come home. But I knew I was going to get in trouble because inevitably I had done something that deserved discipline or punishment. And sometimes God does that to us. And in fact, the Bible says it's one of the proofs that he loves us, that he cares enough about us to spank us sometimes. But there's a fifth reason. And that is that there's this person, this entity out there called Satan. And he hates us. And he hates God. He hates God's people. And his joy is to cause pain and destruction to anything that God's like. The name Satan means adversary or opponent or enemy. His names in Hebrew and in Greek are Abaddon and Apollyon. And that means destroyer. He's someone who likes to destroy stuff. The word devil means a slanderer or a defamer, and he, the Bible calls him the accuser of our brothers. So sometimes life comes unglued simply because we do dumb things. Sometimes life comes unglued because other people do dumb things. Sometimes life comes unglued because, because life just happens to us, like things wear out. Uh, you know, like I don't think the hot water or the water heater was any, any form of discipline or punishment. It just wore out, got old, wears out. Sometimes God disciplines or punishes us, or sometimes Satan causes all kinds of grief in our life. And in Job's case, it was a satanic attack. The reality is that God started it. God said to Satan, hmm, you notice Job? Good guy, isn't he? And Satan said, yeah. But, and so life came unglued for Job, and he wished he had died at birth. He said, cursed be the day that I was born. I wish I was never born. I wish I would have died. Now, what do we do as people? Our natural reaction is when something breaks, we try and fix it, right? When life doesn't make sense, we try and make it. Makes sense. We try and figure out, okay, something, something went off the rails here. How do we figure out how it came off the rails? How do we put it back on? One of the things we had to deal with here the last couple of days at church, all of a sudden I noticed Friday, um, like you know most of you that, that we're out of town here. Okay, the, the, the road out there is the town boundary. We have a well uh, here. We, we, we have our own well water. We have our own septic system. And every drop of water that you run down the sink, by the way, we have to pay somebody to haul out of here because that's how things work. Okay, so I noticed Friday, our pump, our pump is making all kinds of funny noises over here in the boiler room. Okay, what's wrong with this thing? So I call somebody. And... and I said, you know, like, like we're having issues here. So we tried to fix it. Well, that fix, we thought it was fixed, wasn't fixed. So I called somebody else. We thought we fixed it, and it wasn't fixed. 
Then we called somebody else, and we finally found the problem. Like, if something's broken, we can fix it. So hopefully it's working. And, uh, and unless you guys hear or hear a um, lot of bad noises and you smell hot electrical stuff, I think we've got it fixed now. But the human side says if it's broken, we can fix it. If it's your car that's broken, between new parts and mechanics, you can fix it, right? If your appliances are broken, you can fix it. I replace the water softener in my house. I replace the water heater. We fix the funny acting water pump in the church here. We can fix that stuff. If it's our bodies, we can go to the doctors. Now, we expect them to be kind of infallible. But the reality is that there's a lot of stuff the doctors do know, a lot of stuff they don't know. But we can either medicate it or we can, we can operate on it, we can fix something. Because our reasoning says if there's a problem, there has to be a cause, and if we can find the cause, we can fix the problem. The other thing that happens, when life comes off the rails, uh, we tend to complain. Job complained. You and I complain. Just think, if people wouldn't complain, what would we have to talk about in front of the post office? <laughs> and what would you say about the weather? Really, you know. So, the human side says we can fix it. Now, from God's point of view, it's not always fixable. It is, but he's not always interested in fixing our problems because he has different purposes in mind. Job's issues were not his fault. They're not necessarily the doings of others. And so how did Job respond to life coming unglued for him? Well, there were a couple of good responses. We talked about some of those. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Good responses. So that was a good one. Then there's the bad one, and then you get the ugly ones. The bad one we read, that was in chapter 3. Job complained bitterly, I wish I was never born, I wish I was dead. If God had only let me die, I wouldn't have had to go through all this stuff. But then as you read these ancient words, you discover that Job was a real person, and he had some ugly responses, and this is where things kind of went sour for him. Take with me a little journey, and I think they'll mostly be on the screen behind me here. But let's start in chapter 7 and verse 11. Here are Job's words. What I've done is I've gone through these conversations. The book of Job, after you get through chapter 2 is, and 3, is mostly a conversation between Job and his friends. And here's what happened to Job. Job said, I have done nothing wrong. He was right. He had done nothing to deserve it. He said, I have done nothing that God should punish me for it. I haven't made bad decisions. I don't understand why this is happening to me. But here are Job's, here's Job's thoughts about all this thing. Chapter 7 and verse 11. Job said, therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Over to verse 20. Job said, he's talking to God here, if I have sinned, 
What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you made me your target? Now God, Job is standing before God, and he's getting a little uppity here. Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Why do you not punish or pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? For I will soon lie down in the dust. You will search for me, but I will be no more. Chapter 10. Job says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. Sometimes the best thing you and I can do is zip the lip. Job says, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me, but tell me what charges you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the schemes of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal or your years like those of a man that you must search out my fault and probe after my sin? Though you know that I am not guilty and that no one can rescue me from your hand. It's starting to get a little ugly. Chapter 13 and verse 3. Job says, I desire to speak to the Almighty and to argue my case with God. And then over to verse 15. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance, for no godless man would dare come before him. Listen carefully to my words. Let your ears take in what I say. Now that I have prepared my case, I know I will be vindicated. Can anyone bring charges against me? Uh, verses 20 to 23. Only grant me these two things, O God, and then I will not hide from you. Withdraw your hand far from me and stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me and I will answer. Or let me speak and you reply. How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offense and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you torment a windblown leaf? Will you chase after dry chaff? Where are we? Chapter 13. Then over to chapter 23. First six verses there. Job replied, even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling, I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say. Would he oppose me with great power? No, he would not press charges against me. There, an upright man could present his case before him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. Chapter 31 and verse 37. Let's start in verse 35 there. He says, Oh, that I had someone to hear me, 
I sign now my letter, my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indictment in writing. Surely I would wear it on my shoulders. I would put it on like a crown. I would give him an account of my every step. Like a prince, I would approach him. Don't you think that's a little cheeky to be talking to the sovereign of the universe, to your creator, God? I demand that you give me an answer. You have no business doing what you're doing to me. I don't deserve this. I deserve better from you, God. And you're right. He didn't deserve this. He didn't. His friends thought he did, and we're going to talk about those friends in a little bit later. They, they keep talking to Job. Job, you're an idiot. Job, if God is punishing you, God is punishing you, Job. And if God is punishing you, you must have done something dumb. And if you've done something dumb, like go to God and acknowledge it and get him to forgive you, and then you'll be, it'll fix your problems. And Job said, no, I haven't done anything dumb. I haven't sinned. God can't be punishing me. But he says, I still want an answer from God. I don't understand this. God owes me an answer. And the trouble was that God wasn't talking to Job. God was silent. And Job didn't have any answers. He didn't know about the, the, the little power struggle between God and Satan. And God didn't explain that to him because, you see, God doesn't have to explain anything to you and me. That's what makes him God. And so you wind up perplexed. Because sometimes we can fix things. If I'm sick, I can have medication or an operation. Maybe there can be some intervention in a situation. Maybe we can repair something. Maybe we can replace it. Maybe we can trade up like a car. Maybe you can move or, or get a different job or something like that. Sometimes we can fix things. I like fixing things. It's what men do. We fix stuff. But sometimes you can't fix it. And in spite of all the best doctors and all the knowledge that we have, and in spite of everything else, you can't fix something. Like a child. You can't make someone make the right choices. There are some things that you and I can't fix. There are some things in our lives that we can't fix. We're getting older. I can't fix that. It's one of the realities of life. I'm going to wear out. It's called entropy. My body is going to wear out. I'm going to die. And so are you. Sometimes we can't fix things. And we're left baffled and confused and frustrated and hurting. And then what do you do? So here's my thinking. 
When life doesn't make sense, all I have left is faith in my Heavenly Father. It's the only thing I have left. There is a God up there who is stronger and bigger and knows more than what I do. And sometimes that's all I have left. I have the promises of Scripture. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And there are times it feels like nobody cares. But the Bible says that he does. Now, I have a choice. I can say, it feels like nobody cares, therefore nobody must care. Or I can say, the Bible tells me that God cares, and I believe that, even though it doesn't feel that way. You see, there's a God who has, we, we call it, here's another $20 word, God has attributes. Those are things that make him God. God is omnipotent. He has all the power in the world. He is bigger and better and stronger than anything that anyone can throw at me, whether it's Satan or anyone else. God has omniscience. That means he has all the knowledge in the world. He sees the entire picture, not just a little piece of the puzzle that is me. God sees the whole picture. God is omnipresent. He is as present here as he is in Holland, as he is in Russia, as he is in Israel, as he is in China, as he is in India, as he is anywhere else. And God has purposes. I don't know what some of those purposes are. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of different kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. I, I don't consider it pure joy. I don't like being tested. It doesn't really feel all that good, but the testing of my faith and your faith develops perseverance. And God says perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. And you know what? When life doesn't make sense, God still makes sense. Your responsibility and my responsibility is to keep trusting and hanging on to him because that's the only thing that makes sense. When life doesn't make sense, God still does. <coughs> Excuse me. And you and I need to hang on to him. Father, thank you that we do have an anchor, that you are our rock that you are the one who will deliver us. You have a purpose, Lord, and that purpose is a whole lot bigger than the life and the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Lord, help us to trust. Forgive us for being impudent. Forgive us for being challenging. 
and for lacking faith. And Lord, please keep working on us, in us, and through us. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.